welcome to the book club that sure is not your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen, and joining me as always is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? Hello, Ellen. It's going fantastic. Excellent. If you ever say anything else, I'm going to be upset. Um, Today we are going to be talking about How to Tame a Beast in Seven Days by Carolyn Sparks and some of our favorite tropes. But first, Mom, what have you been reading? I've actually done a lot of reading this week. I don't know why, but I somehow fit in lots of books. So I was reading the Heartbreaker Bay series. (laughs) She's been calling it the Baywatch series for like ever. So I'm really trying hard to improve. Yeah. Um. So I read the first one of those. We'd already read the second one. And then I read a couple of the others. Then I stopped and read the book we were reading for today. Mm-hmm. And then I read the second book for, from that series. Mm-hmm. And then right so now I'm reading another Spoiler alert, heart- you liked it enough to read the second book. I liked it enough to read another one. <laughs> and now I'm in the middle of reading the next Heartbreaker Bay book. I think you might be farther ahead in Heartbreaker Bay than me. I think I am. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Look uh, at me. <laughs> reading books that I haven't read? How dare you? I know. I know. <laughs> it might be super dirty. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I haven't had you vet it yet for me. Yeah, because I do not recommend those to you. Um, <laughs> so I, on the opposite end of the spectrum, have uh, not been reading a lot of books. I've been feeling very crafty, and I don't mean, like, sly and manipulative. I mean, like... Uh, you know, yarn She's and crafty. fabric. Um, I'm in the middle of making a t-shirt quilt. It's difficult, but it's fun. Um, I, but the two books that I've read since we last spoke on, at least not since you and I last spoke, cause that was like an hour <laughs> ago, but, um, <laughs> since we last spoke on this podcast is, um, I read quiet love by Helena Rack, which was, or I think, I don't know if I'm saying her name right, but it's R-A-C is her last name. Um, it's kind of like a, he was always, they grew up together, they are best friends, he kind of has always been in love with her, he leaves uh, town for a while and comes back and, you know, like is mysteriously hotter and she's into it. Um, <laughs> it was cute, it wasn't my absolute favorite, but... I mean, I read it on a plane, and it sufficed for the, those purposes. Um, and I read A Most Unlikely Duke by Sophie Barnes. Um, I also liked that one. It's the first book in a series, and I think I like kind of the setup for some of the other books better than I probably liked that first book. Um, but I think I'm going to keep reading the series. Um, likewise, I had to take a break from that series and reread this book for today so let's just dive on in and talk about this book so today we're going to be talking about how to tame a beast in seven days by carolyn sparks it's the first book in her embraced series which um we'll probably get into some talk about what that means um and it only has two books out so far but the third book is coming out in march um so the back cover description for this one reads Luciana, which I'm assuming, is that how you think her name gets said? Mm-hmm. Okay. Luciana grew up on the Isle of Moon, hidden away because of her magical powers. But when her father arrives, he offers her a choice. Remain on the island or return with him and marry the Beast of Benwick in order to save their legacy and her father's life. Lord Leofric, the Beast of Benwick, has not been touched since he was a child. Born with the power to harness lightning, he is a danger to everyone he touches. When he meets his betrothed, he expects a loveless, lonely marriage until he discovers she's vastly more powerful than he realized. But is she strong enough to withstand his touch? If she, they can survive, their love will alter, alter the future of the kingdom. But will their extraordinary powers cost them everything? Um, so before I ask you what you thought, um, I should just say just to kind of give some further exposition. Um, It's this kind of fantasy paranormal fusion world where uh, one day a year there's these two moons in this fantasy world. and It's two days a year. 
Oh, two. Oh, you're right. Two days a year, the moons uh, cross and what they say embrace. And um, if there is a child that's born on that day, then they get these magical powers. But the kings of these lands don't like that there's people that are more powerful than them and kind of it's dangerous to be embraced um, with these powers. So they kind of most embrace people are in hiding. Um, but uh, so the heroine of this book kind of grows up in this convent on the Isle of Moon where they are much different. They're ruled by women and or at least the women are equal with the men and she kind of grows up in this convent with these other girls who are also, you know, embraced. And obviously they're going to be all the heroines for this series. But yeah, so that's kind of the basics of the world. So, Mom, what did you think of this book? I liked the book. I liked the story. I liked the um, the fantasy aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I liked uh, this world that she's created. I like the characters in the book. Um, I liked it. I had one just kind of quirky thing mm-hmm. that bugged me a little bit. Mm-hmm. I thought some of the dialogue was kind of, I don't know if it was, if I'd use the word juvenile or um, kind of hokey. Mm-hmm. Some of it's just kind of... Um, like the way teenagers would talk. Okay. So you mentioned this to me kind of before I started rereading it. And so I was kind of trying to pinpoint what you were talking about because I didn't really notice anything the first time I read it. Um, What I think it, because I agree, her world building is great. I really like all of the characters. Um, The two things that I think might be making you feel that way um her she's not flowery in her language in any way like her her sentence structure is very rudimentary she doesn't do a lot of you know grand exposition and like you know flowery details about where people are i mean they're at a convent they're at a castle there you don't know much about these places where they are Um, so that could be, I mean, I only noticed it this time because you kind of said something about like feeling like it might just be because I'm older. And so some of the language, it just sounded, um, very young to me and which is fine. I mean, it's her world. She can have them speak however she wants them to speak. That's the other thing Uh, I, I noticed because it's. It's a little strange, and it because you mentioned it to me, it took me out of it a little bit. Um, she has this kind of language for the characters, which is very, uh, it's kind of old-fashioned, and they're talking about, and I think just because they're talking about castles and, you know, riding horses, we're kind of in this mindset that they should sound a certain way, but then she has them say a lot of, like, modern phrases and things like that and like especially when it comes to talking about sex acts and things like that it's very modern and um like their swear words are and like their kind of swearing phrases are very modern well like what i remember is um i think though it was in the second book and the guy does something she's like wow that's super awesome and I thought you know that's just doesn't seem to me the kind of it just sounded very I don't know young yeah to me and I think and yeah. I think because it's kind of balanced with some kind of more ye oldies speak that it kind of is a little jarring in some places um but then, you know, it's fantasy, and so it's like... Right. And the, and and it didn't... It just came off as a little hokey sometimes. Okay. But it didn't make me not want to read the books. It didn't want make me, um, like, hate them and put them down, and I'm never reading another one of these books. It just seemed 
out of place mm-hmm. a little bit yeah. to me. I, but like I said, it's fantasy. She can create any world she wants. Yeah. They can speak any language or any, any way she wants. It's her it's her deal. Yeah. So um but and I think I think she's uh where I sometimes was like uh you know, like I said, she's not the most flowery writer or anything, but I think she's really great at storytelling. I mean, she's got a lot going on in this book, especially I mean it's got a lot of setup that she has to do for this world, but then there's also a lot happening to her because, like, the whole plot is that, um... Well, and all these different characters have all these different powers and yeah. how they make them work and how it all comes together. And, and, yeah, there's a lot of storytelling, and she does it really well. Yeah. Um, and I'm fine with not a lot of flowery speech because we've read books where I've said, there's just too, too much. much description. Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, I can't even follow, you know, the dialogue because there's too much description. Yeah. Um, so I'm fine with that. I, I like the more basic storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and that, it was just like a little quirky thing. And it might just be me that, you know, I, maybe it's because I've read so many historicals that I. You went, I went to a book club today where we actually were talking about this book. And uh, you are not the only person who feels that way. But oh, really? I'll leave it there. <laughs> well, it's good to know. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I, I see. I like like I said, I did not notice anything like that the first time I read it. Um, I think because I was like on the lookout for it because you had mentioned it to me that you kind of picked that up when you're reading it that um, I was a little more aware of it this time. Um but I think I, I I just think they're kind of fun books, and I think that they're I think she's really funny. She's got I saw her do a reading of this um, at like a reading salon that I went to a little while ago, and she read the scene when they're on the boat, and um, it's kind of like when she's kind of first seeing the ghost of her sister because in the book her sister has died. Um, it's her twin sister, which also is a big forbidden thing in this kingdom to have twin girls. Um, and so she, her sister dies and she has to pretend to be her sister and marry this guy because um, the king has ordered it. And if nobody, if her father does not have a daughter to marry off to the this guy, then the king is probably going to kill her father. So that's kind of how she ends well, up in this and situation. take over all his lands and... Yeah. And his king to take over his people right. and all that stuff. Um, so in the at the reading salon, she read the scene where she's talking to the ghost of her sister kind of for the first time when they're on the boat and um, the dad comes up and he's like, you know, nobody's going to believe that you're her, your sister because she was kind of a brat and you're really sweet. And her sis- the ghost of her sister is like, what? Why is he saying this? Um, and it was really funny. Like her reading of it was really funny. Um, so I think that that kind of informed like the sense of humor of the book for me, like, cause I could hear her kind of reading this book with this kind of certain humorous tone to it. And, um, I don't know. So I think it's really funny, especially like I've read other paranormals and other fantasy romances and paranormal and fantasy books just in general. And they take themselves so seriously, right? Well, and I think that's kind of why she probably uses this kind of language is because she wants to lighten it up and make it more fun instead of singing these and those and, you know, and... And thou has to create you know, Middle Earth type reading language. from scrolls and things, you know, like which still happens. But I think she just obviously has like a much more laissez-faire approach to it, and um, just kind of is having more fun with it. She obviously has like a lot of fun. I at least think writing those ghost scenes um, and just kind of like the awkward. Sometimes when he's like, is there a ghost in here? Is is your mom in the room right now as we're about to have sex? Or can I attack you? Yeah. <laughs> um, and just kind of like uh, the dichotomy between her and her sister, especially in the beginning when they're very different people. Her sister kind of improves, but she's... Um, 
she's a bit of a pill, like, throughout a lot of the book. She is. She's kind of narcissistic and, and um, rude. and But she's kind of a funny uh, character for, like, the context. Right. And when book. Luciana is nice to the servants and stuff, she's like, you can't talk to them like that. You have to treat them like servants. Yeah. And it's pretty cute the way they play off each other. And, um, and then she's... And then Luciana is trying to uh, act like her sister. But then they finally had to say, oh, she just had a near-death experience. So so it's changed her her for the better. It's changed her and she's nice now instead. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I kind of want that stone game that they're always playing, that the girls are always playing with. Because they have these kind of like cootie catcher type fortune telling (laughs) stones. it's a little more <laughs> than a cootie catcher. <laughs> How dare you? Those cootie catchers <laughs> tell all. But um, it was cool. And it was cool that Luciana found out that she had the power to mm-hmm. kind of foretell the future. Because she didn't, that was something she didn't know about. And that kind of, at least in the second book, kind of comes up again. Because maybe other people And it's like a big deal in the second yeah, book. Yeah, predictions are very accurate. <laughs> yeah. And um, and she's predicted into the third book now. So it and you know I already had this discussion. It's like I don't understand. She's predicting this, but I didn't think that's the way it was going to go. Yeah. So, which I guess is what and we want it to be. We obviously like Brody is obviously getting his own book, right? Well, I don't think it's going to be Brody's book. I think it's going to be. I think he's going to hook up with the younger yes. sister, and it's going to be her book. But yeah, and he's like nineteen, and she's like fifteen. So, well, that works out. Yeah, that works right? out when she'll be old enough. So when she's, because you know I have a thing with the age thing. Yes. But yeah, so when she's 21, he'll be 25, 26, right? Perfect. Yeah. But yeah, like, and, um, they're obviously hooking up. But, and I have to mention this because this was my first thought. I think she's going to become a shapeshifter and he's already a shapeshifter. So they can do crazy sex things. Like theme nights would be like <laughs> gross. <laughs> I've okay. I've read other paranormals with shapeshifters where it got a little weird sometimes, like bestiality weird. And I was like, uh, can we like maybe be humans when we have sex with each other, please? <laughs> well, what if they were both? beasts then it's not really well i've read one they're doing a doggy style and they're literally doggy style (laughs) i've read one where one was and one wasn't and i was like "Mm -mm." uh no Mm -mm. i couldn't get into that no i mean listen i'm the first to tell my mom every time we talk about how much i love my dog but (laughs) homie don't play that way but you don't love your dog (laughs) no matter how much my instagram might say otherwise Okay, so I had a hard time coming up with questions for this one, but this is what I came up with. Um, So they don't meet, like, they don't, like, full-on meet until pretty well into this book. There's a lot of, like, longing glances from across dining halls and things like that. Um, Was the setup too tedious for you in this book, or did you kind of, or is it moving along okay for you? No, I actually, (laughs) I actually liked the fact that he was kind of watching her from a distance. Which sounds creepy when we say it like that, but it is kind but, of cute. Well, he wasn't sure, you know, how to trust her and, and what Well, and there's all this, this whole, was like, death into. plot that, you know, he's trying to figure out. But then he's like, oh, wow, she's, right. uh, she's pretty. And kinda. he thought they were in danger, so he was trying to mm-hmm. check it out to make sure no one was trying to kill them. And, um, but the scene where she drops the pee down her dress... <laughs> Uh, down into her cleavage and, and then she picks it up and puts it in her mouth and he's watching her and he she looks at him and she <laughs> I mean you could totally picture that whole thing and it was pretty funny and first um, of all mom and I can relate because we are always talking about how when we go to movies like if we go with like a v-neck <laughs> like we just come home and there's just like popcorn that like falls out of our shirts and we undress well, I go at to night. put up my pajamas on at night and I take my bra off and popcorn falls all over the floor <laughs> Yeah, we have to wear, like, turtlenecks to movies so that nothing's, like, going to come up here later. But, yes, so um, that's a thing. (laughs) Boobs just get in the way, right? Um, Am I right? (laughs) You girls know what I'm talking about. um, 
But so that scene I thought was really funny. I liked the fact that she was kind of admiring him from afar mm-hmm. and she didn't know who he was. And here she was like, oh, I'm supposed to marry this other guy. And now I've got feelings for this other guy that I've never even met. And like, but he's hot. turned out to he be hot, the so. same guy. He, he, he be hot. Body be and, banging. Um, yeah, he be banging. <laughs> and, um, you know, the red hair and the black horse and the, I mean, just all the, anyway. Um, well, and he. I liked the slow burn part of that yeah aspect. i i kind of did like when i was reading it, i'm like oh wow this is like pretty well into the book when they don't meet but um i only really noticed it on the second time because they give them enough like moments because sometimes yeah. like it takes them a while to meet and but it felt like a natural progression with like what was going on in the rest of the story and she still gives them like enough moments to, you know, make eyes at each other and kind of flirt a little bit, you know, like from afar. I also loved how he had Brody kind of um, watching out. Brody was a dog at the time because he was a shapeshifter. And so he was a dog at the time. And he had Brody kind of watching over her and and staying by her side. And so whenever she would bend over to pet Brody, he's like, he can see right down her dress. (laughs) (laughs) Which, (laughs) yeah. And he's and. It's like a big deal. He's like, well, at least she's never rubbed his belly. Like, at least that's never happened. <laughs> we don't want Which, her hands anymore. I don't here. know why that's like. <laughs> yeah, I, guess, <laughs> I guess that's why. I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe it's going to become a thing later on. But yeah. um, who knows? Uh, I think they said it in both books, actually. Yeah. Because Brody ends up watching both girls. But um, anyway, it was charming, I thought. Yeah. That whole I thought the setup was cute. It. And, like, they also don't have. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. Um, How this was kind of your first foray into the fantasy or paranormal, because it's kind of both, this book, which is, it's usually like two separate subgenres, but I think this kind of is both. Um, So how did you find this, you know? Well, as we have spoken before, Mm -hmm. um, I have read a lot of fantasy books in my life, but I just haven't read any fantasy romance. And I, I am a fan. Um. So I didn't have a problem with any of that. I really, I know there are probably people who think, um, I just can't stand reading fantasy. I mean, I know people in the world who just don't like to read fantasy books. And, but I'm thinking if you read romance novels, um, you're not far from reading fantasy <laughs> anyway. How dare you? Not that, not that love's not out there. But like I was talking to you about with the, like the Heartbreaker Bay series, and I'm like, what are the odds of all these people winding up in the same building in San Francisco and they all have some kind of historical connection somewhere? Mom keeps telling me. What are me, the odds of that happening? Mom keeps telling me I need to move to these towns where like all these hot men are just like in one neighborhood. <laughs> well, one of them was actually in the city where you live. And I'm like, Ellen, just go oh, yeah. drive around until you find this neighborhood with all these hot guys in it. So, yeah. And I think. I think this is sort of different from a lot of, like, fantasy and paranormal romances that I've read, too. Because, like I said, it it doesn't take itself seriously. And not, not that all fantasy and paranormal, but a lot of them I've read are very, like, you know, the world has very specific rules. And it's very, you know, I'm making hand motions to mom on the camera Jeez. that <laughs> you guys aren't saying. But I can't explain what I'm trying to say but having some kind of seizure (laughs) (laughs) but um so it's not like super representative of the whole genre but no book ever is completely representative of its whole genre but yeah i think it's i think i think this is a fun one yeah it was fun um i enjoyed it a lot so third question things are gonna get a little awkward now Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about not you and me, because that would be weird. <laughs> um, so, what did you think of the sex scene in this book? The first, like, the main one. I'll say, when I was reading it this time, they, because um, he's always very sweet with her, right? Throughout the entire book. And then when they get to have sex, first of all, okay, the sex scene, he realizes that he can touch somebody 
her specifically without because he can't touch anybody without basically killing them. But then right. they find out, oh, he can touch her. Let's take this to Pound Town. Um, and he's always been very sweet with her throughout the book. But then when they have sex, he is like, put, I'm putting my, your hand on my penis aggressively. And, um, <laughs> right now it's happening. <laughs> and like, we're doing this down on the table. Let's do this. And he's like using fairly coarse language with her and being like pretty wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am about it. And I found that interesting. <laughs> well, I think it comes more from the fact that he finally found someone he could touch. Yes. He hasn't been touched, like, yes. his whole life almost. Yeah. I mean, in years and, and years. And she no talks about that a couple him. times where she's just like, he's like, my poor sweet baby. He's so starved for, like, a f- attention and physical touch that I'm like, yeah, he's he really is. Cause. <laughs> so maybe he was a little sweeter the second time. But <laughs> that first time, he's like, oh, man, this is happening. Yeah, and it's happening aggressively in some in some uh, parts of <laughs> well, that. Well, she didn't scene. seem to be turned no, I mean, off she was by into it, it but uh, I don't know. Did you find that? Is that just me? It's probably just you. I don't remember feeling that way, so. Yeah, okay. That maybe that's just the way I like it. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would get you. <laughs> It always will, Mom. I don't think there will ever be a point in our lives where it's not going to be weird. Um, (laughs) And yet, it still happens all the time. (laughs) Daily daily occurrence of... Here we are. Um, Okay, so we've touched on this before, but this is... um, It's very plot-heavy with fairly little... Uh, like interpersonal conflict. I mean, they see each other for a r- from across a field, and they're like, "Hey, he hot, she hot, let's do this." Um, so how was that for you? Not having much interpersonal conflict, but like some obvious like things that were keeping right. Them apart. Well, the other, the main conflict was him not being able to touch anybody. Yeah. I think that is where the main conflict came from. That's why once that was solved, it's like. Let's take this. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, the question I do have is, I mean, spoiler alert, they wind up together and double spoiler alert, she has is pregnant and has babies. Mm-hmm. Does he, Can he touch his babies? Hmm. That's a good question. Do you know what? Doesn't that come up in the second book? Well, they ask the question, can he touch his babies, but they never answer it ever. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's going to come up in a... Th- third book okay so like spoiler alert in the plot um she can touch him because her mom was struck by lightning when she was like the night they were born yeah in labor with them in fact it made her go into labor yeah it like made her go into labor and then like it eventually is what kind of killed her right um i think the whole process i was also wondering birth to twins wait two days later she died I was wondering, do you think that that was the same lightning that set off his powers? It, because his was when he was five, right? Yeah. It could be. It didn't occur to me, but it very well could be. I don't know that it was the same, like, bolt of lightning, no, but it could but have been the same storm. I, I couldn't tell if that was, like, trying to be implied or... um just because, like, it seems... Because her mom kind of says at one point, like, um, something like it It all... Like, I think her mom kind of realizes, like, oh, I think this is going to make them good for each other because I think that there's purpose behind why I was struck by lightning. And so then I was kind of wondering, I don't know, if, like, the lightning, like, destined them to be together kind of thing. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm just saying. I do remember the mom kind of alluding to that. Yeah. It's weird to talk about mom died two days after she was born. Luciana can see ghosts, and so these ghosts come and... I was wondering, too, because, like, so the mom was supposed to go with her to the Isle of Moon, right? 
So why didn't yes. Ghost Mom go with her to the Isle of Moon? I don't think Ghost Mom knew she could see ghosts yet. She was just a baby. Ah, uh, yes. But then she could have gone when she figured out that Tatiana could see ghosts. And, like, seeing if that was a thing. I don't know. Can they leave where they died? Yeah, well, Tatiana was going everywhere. Oh, that's right. Tatiana was all over the place. Um, but was Tatiana only like that because cause she was also the only one that could move there. things? And I'm wondering if she could do that because she had that power to see ghosts in her human life. So she's just like super ghost. Uh, maybe. Or maybe it's because she was struck by lightning when she was born. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I was wondering if... uh, It's a fantasy. Don't read too much into it, Ellen. (laughs) No, I want to. I was wondering if Tatiana would have been able to touch him, too. Uh, I don't know. We'll never know. We'll never know. What I don't understand is why some ghosts hung around and why some ghosts left. It was like some wanted to, right? Because, like, they kind of said that the mom hung around because she wanted to watch over her kids and Christopher was hanging around because he wanted to watch over his mom. mom. Christopher is cute, by the way. He was cute. Yeah, I don't know. All these things, all these unanswered questions. How did we get started on that? I don't know. I don't remember either. The question, though, was there was a lot of plot and no interpersonal conflict. Were you okay with oh, that? that's right. Um... Yes, I was, because I like the book. I didn't think about it that way, but, um, well, yeah. It was actually, it's it's kind of a nice change from so many of the other books that we have that always have to have. Yeah, kind of I feel like conflict. we've read a lot of books lately that are very angsty, like, uh, we can't be together because I don't deserve love kind of things, and this right. was just like, oh, we can't be together because I can't touch you with my lightning fingers. <laughs> you know, that old chestnut. <laughs> <laughs> that one. <laughs> um, okay, would you... My, this is my last question. Would you want to be embraced in this world that would kill you for being embraced? On one hand, you would potentially be killed for being embraced. On the other hand, you get to have, like, cool magic powers. Although some of them are cooler than others. Let's, you know, admit that. Well, like... um Brigida's is not that cool in the second book, right? It's not that cool. No. Um, according to your dad, I have that power already. The, the ability to find things that are lost. Yeah, well, that's just your uterus, right? My dad seems <laughs> yeah. to think that uteruses have, like, echolocation for his missing keys. <laughs> Where is everything? I don't know. And then once I didn't have a uterus anymore, I couldn't find anything <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that was the joke in our family. Mom has a his mom had a full blown hysterecto, uh, and so now she's. I lost my p- lost. ability to find. So then things. Dad starts asking me, and I'm like, I'm not gonna know anything. <laughs> Mine's not in tune to you. <laughs> it is. I am enhanced, Dylan. <laughs> not anymore. I had my enhancement removed. Um. I would want to be enhanced. Embraced. Embraced. Whatever. Gosh, I can't remember these words. Um, I would want to be... <laughs> I want to be embraced, it sounds like I... <laughs> I just want to be embraced. <laughs> um, the warm touch of a man. power I would want? Uh, I don't know which one I'd want. I think Brody's I want is to see pretty ghosts. cool. Huh? I think Brody's is pretty cool. Yeah, I think being a shifter would be cool. Um, except you'd be naked all the time, which I'd have a problem yeah. with that. I did like when she found out that Brody was Brody and a human. And she's like, oh, but I've been, like, kissing you and stuff. And he's like, yeah, thanks for that, by the way. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but every time he shifts he, into a human, he's naked. And so that would that would be a hard But I do thing. like that they, like, talk about that because sometimes I feel like werewolf movies and hulk movies uh glaze over the fact that you know like oh all of a sudden he can be naked yeah or he's got these purple pants that are super stretchy Stretchy pants (laughs) he was wearing jeans a minute ago yeah um okay and then just this is not one of my questions that i come up with but um, how were you with, like, the chameleon stuff at the end? It kind of comes out of nowhere, but I think 
this is the first book, and I kind of it does just, come like, out of nowhere, but. I like having the story arc through all the books because yeah. this is obviously going to be a story arc through the whole series. And um, and spoiler alert for the second book, it is, it is. He shows up again, yeah. and um, and I I like that we don't know who he is, and because he's also a shifter, mm-hmm. he's a little better at it than Brody is, though he can turn yes. into all people. He can turn into people, Brody which like they had people. never heard of, right? That would be a pretty right. cool one too. Basically, yeah, I just want cool. one where I can spy on people. It would be, um, you'd be like Mystique from X-Men. Yeah, it's true. Turn in. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but who would I want to, who would I turn into? I mean, yeah. And, and, uh, so that would be kind of cool. I don't know. I don't know what power I'd want. I wouldn't want the lightning power. No. That would be. First of all, you're, I mean, it does not lightning very often where you are, so... No, it does not. I would be out of juice a lot. Um, <laughs> I, live in, I power, live in a state where there's more. Yes. The wind power that Rupert has in the second book, where he can control the wind. Um, but it's not very convenient for you. Uh, I don't know that you do a lot of sailing. No. However, <laughs> in my line of work, I'd like to use it. <laughs> Why? <laughs> You want to well, blow over I, some kids? Just in case no one knows, I'm a teacher. Yeah. I teach fifth grade. And I have a lot of back talkers. <laughs> Could you please sit down? No. Oh, yeah? Watch this. Strong wind. <laughs> oh. And if I never lay a hand on them, <laughs> I can't lose my credential, right? <laughs> Where did that strong wind come from in this classroom? <laughs> so, yeah, I'd be cool with that. <laughs> Okay. Actually, that lightning power might work, too. <laughs> but you would never have enough juice, Mom. You could just have enough juice to, like, kind of give them, like, a shock. Can I just plug into an outlet? They don't have electricity back then. That's true. <laughs> Couldn't I just plug into an outlet and charge up like a Prius? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure that's how it works. Like my cell phone. <laughs> the USB plug-in. And then as you get older, like, your battery just gets suckier and suckier. Just like a cell phone. Then they come out with a new enhanced <laughs> embrace. Sorry. Gosh. A new model of embraced. Anyway. Okay. So we those digress. are our somewhat tangential thoughts on How to Tame a Beast in Seven Days by Carolyn Sparks. We would love to hear from you on our Facebook page, our Goodreads group, our Twitter, which is at NotYourMomsRum. Or you can email us at notyourmomsromancebookclub at gmail.com. So if you want to read along with us and email us with your thoughts, or if you would like to suggest, I'm having a really hard time today. I'm like lisping a lot of my words. So if, if you, you would want to suggest or, a book for us to read. Yes, that one. <laughs> suggest a book for us to read. We'd love to hear from you. Um, on February 5th, we'll be discussing Ives. Eyes of Silver, Eyes of Gold by Ellen O'Connell. Cool name. Um, My 2018 goal is to widen mom's knowledge of the romance genre. So this is her first Western romance. And it has really good ratings, so we're going to give it a try. I also have not read it. I don't know the Sexy Times level. So Mm. hopefully it's low. Um But mom is mom's pretty familiar with westerns in general, probably more than any other person, uh, wife in this world could be. I have a husband who likes westerns. Yes, a lot, a lot. So she watches a lot um, by proxy. So for now, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about our some of our favorite tropes in romance. So stay with us. Welcome to our little break segment. For this episode, we thought we would do another romantic TV spotlight because I love TV. Um, so this is just a spot for us to recommend something that is not a book but is still filling our romance quota. Um, this is a show. Today we thought we'd talk about a show that we actually have watched a while ago. So it's not something that like we just got into. But... If you have not watched Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries on Netflix, then 
you should really take the time to do so. Right, Mom? I would definitely agree. It is romantic on several levels. Yes. Would would you say? Because there's more than one romance in it. Yes. And it's a very good, it's very good romantic uh, show for, like, especially kind of the climate that we're going through. She is very sexually progressive, right? I mean, yeah, she, like, is the time getting with a guy, in a, a different guy in every episode. And, you know... She, like, gets business done. But then, kind of on the back burner, she's got this romance, kind of, this, like, flirt-mance going on with um, this detective that she works with. Basically, it's set in the 20s um, in Australia. She is kind of, like, this flapper girl, essentially. Um, but she's an older... How, how old do you think she's supposed to be? Like, in her 30s, 40s? I don't know. Um... I would say early 40s. Yeah. I mean, I think in real life she's around there. Um, and she's a lady detective and she solves crimes and she usually is doing it to help the police department that is there in her town. Um, so it's got a lot of kind of fun, like mystery of the week type stuff. Um, and the costumes are to die for. Mm. Amazing. And then she's got, like, a little assistant who has also got a romance going. And theirs is kind of much more sweet. Um, and Miss Fisher's with the cop is a little more passionate. But, um, yeah. So if you haven't watched that show and you're looking for something to binge on Netflix, top top pick for sure. Yeah, definitely. A, a definitely must-see for a romance person. Yeah, it's a good one. So check it out. There's also a book series, but I've heard that the show's better. So just watch the show. Come on. Come on, y'all. <laughs> All right. So uh, until next time, then, and when we have probably another TV or movie recommendation. Thanks. And we're back to talk about uh, some of our favorite tropes. So if you've read Romance Genre, you know that there are some definite uh themes and tropes that pop up again and again. But the ones that pop up again and again are usually popping up again and again for a reason, because they make for a good story. So I have selected some of my favorites, and I'm sure mom will just probably echo what uh, I have to say, (laughs) because she's like that. Um, But among some of my favorites... I love marriage of convenience. You know, that they're doing it. uh, They're being forced into a marriage for some reason because. But then they end up totally in love with each other. uh, Yeah, they end up in love, of course. And I love road trip. We love road trip. Basically, I love when people are forced into situations. I love... Okay, this is so this is kind of a thing that just pops up when in these two types of books a lot. I love when they're forced into situations where they have to pretend to be in love and then they're like, "Oh shoot, maybe we actually are a little bit in love." Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. And um or when they have to pretend, especially in historicals, where they have to pretend like they're married and or betrothed or Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. but when they have to pretend that they're married because then they can get away from the needing a chaperone for everything yeah and then they can pretend that they like have to share a room together and they have to sleep in the same bed for some reason and she has to take a bath and he leaves but then he comes back too soon and oh no (laughs) no. she's still in the tub (laughs) how did this happen it is a dilemma yeah but yes, those are yeah. those are hand rubbing books. Um, I love friends to lovers. I love kind of um, you know two people that are sort of chummy, and then like I think that's kind of Colin Bridgerton and Penelope are a little bit like that, um, especially when they've known each other for years and years and years and years. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it's like oh, oh. the one I liked with that was um, the Bridgerton. The one about the aunt, like that wasn't... Oh, Billy and George, George, I think his name was. But yeah, but remember how she, everyone thought she was going to wind up with the brother mm-hmm. and and um, 
she didn't mm-hmm. because she fell for the older brother, which people thought there's no way she would ever because she was fun and outgoing and and he was kind of broody and and um, but she ended up falling for him anyway. But that whole idea of we've known each other our lives, we never really liked each other that much. But now it's like, oh, wait, yeah, I do. Yeah. I love like kind of Pride and Prejudice type. Uh, they kind of are contentious and don't like each other. But then that just leads to, you know more fire yeah and apparently a swim in the lake which i am not opposed to not in the book but But colin firth in a wet white shirt (laughs) only ever colin firth um and i don't know if it's a trope so much but i kind of related to that bridgerton's book i like um kind of more fun outgoing girls with grumpy guys i don't know why but i do like kind of more like staid guys where they're just like annoyed by her because she won't shut up yeah and then and then he kisses her to shut her up yeah he's got to kiss her to shut her up (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah now we're getting to the good stuff um this is one that kind of i feel like i see popping more in contemporaries and we can maybe start getting a little psychoanalytical about why um, why I like this. But I like uh, romances that are, like, he's the friend of her brother, and he's kind of always, like, looked at her as the, like, kid sister, and then, like, she's grown up, and he's like, oh, shoot. And um, then there's, like, a romance. I don't know why I like that, but I do. Well, first of all, you're never going to be the kid sister because no, you're I'm the not. oldest, but... Um, I don't even want to think about which of your brother's friends might be. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. That and so that's why I don't know why I like that, but I do. <laughs> well, I think it's more just the idea of, you know, she's been in the shadows all these years and yes. now. And sort of related to that, I like a good wallflower book, you know, like, or more bookish girl who kind of has always gone unnoticed i mean this is obvious uh, i was gonna why. say you don't need freud to figure that one out <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know uh so i like that one and that one pops up a lot especially in historicals right um well and that's why that's why i always liked northanger abbey because she always reminded me of you because she was bookish and and um, then she wound up with J.J. Fields. So, so hey, there's a thing. Call me J.J. <laughs> there's a trope for you. <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to think if there's one other if there's one other than those that I like. Um, there's a very different feel between historicals, though, and contemporaries. Yeah, and there's um, there's things that show up in historicals that would never even happen in contemporary and vice versa like the whole yeah absolutely um the whole chaperone thing really throws a wrench in stuff and that's why i like in historicals when they can get away from the chaperones for some reason and um so that's always kind of a fun thing i also like when either they're forced into a marriage or they're um you know, something happens where they have to get married. Uh, sometimes it's just they're um, compromised somehow, mm-hmm. usually by accident. And then, um, you know, it's usually the guy's usually a curmudgeon, but he's honorable. Mm-hmm. So he'll marry her. Love that. And yeah. then she goes into it thinking, oh, I'll just do what I have to do. And then once she's in there, she's like, I'm going to make the best of this. And then he ends up falling for her. And Of course. Um, that's a trope that we've seen in many historicals, mm-hmm. and it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a huge fan. I mean, we kind of talked last time about this, and this is just me being a prude, but I'm not a huge fan of um, uh, I've not I've had sex with her. She might be pregnant. I better marry her. I don't like that trope. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it's not my favorite. Sometimes it's written well enough that I can. Well, and I feel like you don't see that 
I mean, if that happens, that's not like the setup for the book. It's usually like that. Something well, and they that usually happens. get away from that. They're usually able to pull away from it. Like, that's not why I want to marry you. I want to marry you because I love you. And yeah. Da, da, da. And that's something that usually happens, though, like further into a book, especially if it's historical. I feel like if it's a setup for a book, it's they get caught in a compromising position where people right. think they had sex, but right. they did not. And because there needs to be like build up to that, right? In the book. Um, right. So. So those are some of our favorite tropes. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I'm trying to think of a trope in contemporaries, but I, I don't know that I've read enough contemporaries. Yeah, that you I haven't. No I tropes. kind of said some of mine. I mean, a lot of those can carry over to contemporary. I mean, you see some. My favorite trope in a contemporary. My favorite trope in a contemporary is, a is this, there's a Winston brother. In it. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Mom, I was telling Mom, so... Mom was teaching a class that I was in. It was a Sunday school class. I'll just say that. And um, I can always tell when mom has a joke that she really wants to say. And she's just like waiting for that moment when she's going to get to say her joke. And she was doing it so hard in that Sunday school class. And (laughs) it was cracking me up because I'm like, oh. I was leaning over to my dad. I'm like, mom's got a joke that she's just, she's just sitting on. Well, the problem is, is you know me too well. I think you know me more than your dad does because you read me better than anyone else. And you know my facial expressions better than yeah. even your dad does. So in that respect. I say that because I, I, could, I could see her brewing that, that Winston Brothers joke. <laughs> Well, then why'd you step on my punchline, Ellen? Because you're so rude. That's what I do. (laughs) Anyway, so those are kind of some of our favorite tropes. Um, Thanks so much for joining us. Again, if you would like to join us for Eyes of Silver, Eyes of Gold by Ellen O'Connell in two weeks on February 5th, you can subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or you can find us on Twitter at NotYourMomsRom, or on Facebook, or Goodreads, or email us at NotYourMomsRomanceBookClub at gmail.com. All right. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Ellen. Also, if they have a topic that they would like us to discuss. Yes. We're always always struggling for topics. (laughs) So if you have anything you want us to talk about, let us know. All right. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Ellen. Bye. Bye.